welcome to the Propel Podcast, inspiration and training to grow your church. I'm your host, Larry Witzel. Seventh-day Adventist churches grow differently, and our goal with this podcast is to offer practical training for effective evangelism in the Seventh-day Adventist ministry context. Today, we're sharing the second breakout session in the Bible study training track from the 2023 Propel Conference. This is the second of three sessions presented by Cindy Kaiser, a Bible worker in the Georgia Cumberland Conference. She has over 25 years of experience giving Bible studies and helping people make life-changing decisions for Jesus. In this presentation, Cindy talks about how to understand others, how to get into their shoes. People flocked to Jesus because he was not judgmental, and that's how we should be too. Uh, She shares uh, some things from the Spirit of Prophecy about making friends for God and how to nurture those relationships by focusing on the other person instead of yourself. There is so much great information here on relationship building, and I know that you'll be blessed. Cindy will share in just a moment. First, I want to highlight one of the sponsors from the 2023 Propel Conference, Questline Productions. This is a media-based ministry developing quality evangelism tools for pastors, such as I Met God, In Search of Truth, and Thunder in the Holy Land. I've worked with Pastor Charles Bird for over 20 years now, and I so appreciate his innovative approach to evangelism. You can learn more about Questline Productions and all of their resources at qlp.tv resources. That's qlp.tv resources. All right, with that, let's hear from Bible worker Cindy Kaiser as she shares part two of her class on how to give Bible studies. You probably have heard this. Don't judge a man until you've walked a mile in his moccasins. You've heard that, right? Have you? I want to read to you this whole poem. Pray, don't find fault with the man that limps or stumbles along the road unless you have worn the moccasins he wears or stumbled beneath the same load. There may be tears in his souls that hurt, though hidden away from view. The burden he bears placed on your back may cause you to stumble and fall too. Don't sneer at the man who is down today unless you have felt the same blow that caused his fall or felt the shame that only the fallen know. You may be strong, but still the blows that were his, unknown to you in the same way, may cause you to stagger and fall too. Don't be too harsh with the man that sins, or pelt him with words or stone or disdain, unless you are sure you have no sins of your own, and it's only wisdom and love that your heart contains. For you know if the tempter's voice should whisper as soft to you, as it did to him when he went astray, it might cause you to falter too. Just walk a mile in his moccasins before you abuse, criticize, and accuse. If just for one hour you could find a way to see through his eyes instead of your own muse. I believe you'd be surprised to see that you've been blind and narrow-minded, even unkind. There are people on reservations and in the ghettos who have so little hope and too much worry on their minds. Brother, there but for the grace of God go you and I. Just for a moment, slip into his mind and traditions and see the world through his spirit and his eyes before you cast a stone or falsely judge his conditions. 
Remember to walk a mile in his moccasins and remember the lessons of humanity taught to you by your elders. We will be known forever by the tracks we leave and other people's lives, our kindness and generosity. Take the time to walk a mile in his moccasins. That was written by Mary T. Lathrop in 1895. The original title was Judge Softly. It was changed to a mile in walk a mile in his moccasins. We all have heard that term many times that we shouldn't judge each other. And this is something that Jesus never did. Did you ever see Jesus judge anyone? Never. He never did. He, you know, one day, like a light bulb came in, in my mind. And I don't know how to say this without just saying it and being truthful, but I was, I was involved in a church that there was a head elder who was extremely, extremely critical and judgmental of others and felt that things had to be done his way. And I looked up to him because he was spiritual and he was a godly man. But then something hit me one day, like a ton of bricks. Jesus, everywhere he went, was there not people thronging him? They wanted to be near him. No one wanted to be around this individual. God wants us to be like Jesus. So people should be attracted to us and desire to be with us. And if they're not, there's a problem. If you have a lot of issues relationally with people, the common, the common denominator in all those relationships is you. <laughs> Now, sometimes, you know, your family persecutes you because of your beliefs and that kind of thing. And that can be, you know, out of your hands and out of your control. So not every situation is that way. But we should remember that Jesus, he crossed, and, and, and the Pharisees and the Sadducees didn't like him. They were jealous of him. They, you know, they, they thought he was getting more attention than they, they should have gotten. They should have gotten the attention from the people. And anyway, the, the whole... The whole dynamic between them and Jesus was different, but, but the people just loved him and were th just wanted to be with him. Even the woman that was caught in adultery, Mary Magdalene loved him, learned to love Jesus because he did not condemn her. He didn't sanction sin. He didn't tell her that it was okay to be a prostitute, but he loved her and saw through what really happened to Mary Magdalene, knew her past, knew that her uncle had physically and sexually abused her to cause her to go into this lifestyle. He knew all of these things about Mary Magdalene and he, was, he did, had nothing but compassion and love for her. That is how we are to see people. This is, this is how we are to be as we work with people in different walks of life at work, the most annoying person, you know, earlier um, this morning you weren't with us, but we talked about uh, the value of one soul in God's eyes is more valuable than, than all of the worlds ever created. There's, there's all these quotes about the value of one soul. So I had everyone picture the most irritating, annoying person they know. <laughs> and just to think that, that we should love them like Jesus loves them. And know that they're that way because of some other things. You know, to understand, to have compassion. To understand why they are the way they are because they have, they have dealt. We haven't walked a mile in their moccasins. We don't know what they've been through. We cannot judge that. And we shouldn't. 
To understand someone is to be on an equal plane with them. You know, sitting together as learners, always having humility and stress that you're learning too. When you are studying with someone or just in your relationships, period, we're all learning, are we not? And if we come across as being superior in knowledge, you need to learn from me. And I, listen, I have made that mistake in my life. I'll be vulnerable with you. And I was, I was a Pharisee. I was very much caught up into this. And God had to just humble me. To show me myself. I did that the first time I was years ago when I was in the church. I was a new, new church member. I pushed away people more than I brought people towards Christ. I did too. I did too. I told myself when I came back I wasn't going to do it that way. That's kind of why I'm in here doing this. Amen. And, and education is helpful. It's important. We're told that we need a broad foundation of education to, to be a soul winner. We need to understand things and, and, and study Jesus' life because he's our example. He's our, our guide. And he you know, the more we study about him, the better soul winner we're going to be. Hebrews 2, 10 and 11, Jesus wasn't ashamed to call us his brethren. So he humbled himself, didn't he? He came down. He was the, the majesty of heaven and became a man. I heard a sermon one time and someone said it would be like um, a human wanting to save the cockroaches and became a cockroach in order to save them. But that doesn't even go low enough. For all eternity. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Yes. Exactly. He will always be man. Philippians 2, 5-11 says, Jesus lowered himself, not just to live at our level, but to die the death on a cross that was reserved for the lowest of the earth. The minister for Christ must interest himself in the souls for whom he labors, finding out all that perplexes and troubles them and hinders them from walking in the light of the truth. When we're, when we're studying with someone or we're just witnessing to them or we're helping them, befriending them, starting that friendship with someone, we need to find out all we can. There's another quote in, in The Spirit of Prophecy that says we need to understand, we need to, our neighbors is our first missionary field is our, our neighbors and we are to go and introduce ourselves and meet our neighbors and find out the spiritual temperature of our neighbors not in a uh, parasaical way but in a loving way finding out where they're at how you know what you can do to help them what you can do to love them and help them and, and find out where they're at with God that's that's what's being a missionary is just learning where someone's at and what you can do to help them and help them in their journey with God so we need to find out what perplexes them and troubles them and see if there's anything we can do to help them. And if we, if we can figure that out, sometimes it's just an obstacle that's in their way that we can help remove to bring them closer to Christ. In all true teaching, the personal element is essential. This is in the book Education. Christ in his teaching dealt with men individually. It was by personal contact and association that he trained the 12. I mean, he selected 12 men that he worked very closely with. And out of the 12, there were three that he drew even closer to. You ever notice that in the Gospels? That the, Peter, James, and John were invited to things with Jesus that the rest of the disciples were not. Yeah. They were more in the inner circle. He particularly chose them to disciple them in a closer way. And we should be discipling others in our ministry. We should be befriending and helping someone else grow closer to Christ. 
It was in private, often to but one listener, that he gave his most precious instruction to the honored rabbi at the night conference, uh, Nicodemus, on the Mount of Olives, to the despised woman at the well of Sychar. He opened his richest treasures, for in these hearers he discerned the impressible heart, the open mind, the receptive spirit. I have studied with people that know it all. It's not pleasant. It's not, it's not enjoyable. It's hard. Um, that they know everything about the scripture and, you know, they, they don't, they're not, they're not, they don't have an openness to, to, you know, we can agree to disagree, but there's a difference between being combative and just being willing to discuss, you know, doctrine. And if you see, if you're studying with someone that is just combative with you and just want to argue with you, you should be praying that God, you know, because they may be just a distraction. So you need to pray. And I have never uh, told a person that I didn't want to study with them anymore. I prayed. And I said, God, if this person is wasting my time, please have them cancel. And if not, if they are really uh, going to follow you, I want to stick it out with them. But I don't know, because I don't know the future, but you know God. And I had a three-year-old at the time I started Bible work, and I'm like, I, 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 don't, wanna, I don't want people wasting my time. My child is so important to me. I want to study with those who are searching and seeking. And you know, God will do that. He would either have that person cancel, or I would see that difficult person become a, a, a follower of Christ and be baptized. So you just don't know, and we can't determine that. We need to pray. And ask God, and He will direct your 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 ministry, your whole ministry. It says here that uh, even the crowd that so often thronged His steps was not to Christ an indiscriminate mass of human beings. It wasn't just like, oh, get away from me. He spoke directly to every mind and appealed to every heart. He watched the faces of his hearers, marked the lighting up of their countenance, the quick responsive glance, which told the truth had reached the soul, and there vibrated in his heart the answering chord of sympathetic joy. So personally, element is essential in this quote. And then also, it was private, often to but one listener said he gave his most precious instruction. I really prefer the one-on-one Bible study than I do a group. I do group, but I prefer the one-on-one. It's just more personal. It's more, you, your hearts are knit together. You're more, um, you pray together. I mean, it's just a, just a really deep relationship when you study the Bible with one person. And then also... He watched the faces of his hearers. We are to watch the faces of those we study with, those we're, we're befriending. We, we do this all the time without even recognizing that we do it. We, you can tell on a person's face and their body language if things change. You, what does this mean? Yeah. Yeah, could be cold. Yeah, you gotta, gotta bring it to attempt, uh, account that as well, yes. But this means, I don't agree with you. It's just your body language just automatically does this. We need to watch people as we study with them. That's why it is nice to have a second person with you. You might be teaching and not really paying attention. And the other person will say, did you see how they did? I'm like, no, I didn't see that. And, and they'll bring it out. And then, so this is important that we, Jesus watched. He watched his, the people he was preaching to and he saw someone who was receptive. He saw someone who was rejecting. He saw someone who was, wow, you know, amazed. Or he, he, was, he kept an eye on everyone that he was witnessing to. So 
when making friends for God, focus your attention on them, not yourself. Notice, observe, and watch for facial expressions, a glow, tears, avoiding anger, softening or hardening of the heart. Emotions are joy, anger, fear, nervousness, uneasiness, tears, lack of interest, blank stare, confusion. I've seen, you ever seen the glazed look on people's eyes when too much information? I can tell. I'll say, you know, when I see that, I know it's time to stop the study. And we may not even be done with the study, but it's time to stop the study. Say, so you know what, I can tell that we have, I know we're not done, but let's just stop it right here and pick it up here next week. I can see that we, you know, this has been a lot of information for you today. Let's just, let's just stop here and, and let's just chew on what we've learned so far. And let's come back together next week. I can just see the relief on people's face. So sometimes it's just too much information and it just is blowing their mind. Especially if it's a testing truth like the Sabbath or state of the death or hellfire or something that they have been taught something totally different their entire life. And so there's, there's a lot of different ways to handle those situations but we need to know that we need to be watching for signals as we study with them. Their body position tenses up. They close their arms, or they're slumped over like they're bored. They're, you know, falling asleep. Response to something that you said can trigger disagreement, can create even anger, expressing opinions of others, inquiry, questions, defense of their own position. We can, you got to be aware, you know, if you feel, if you see this happening while you're studying with someone, you need to stop. Right there. Just stop and let's talk about this. Because we don't want to continue on if they are not understanding or they're combative or they're, something is upsetting them. You want to address it. You want to say, you know, what, just maybe take a break and go, is this, been, is this new information for you? Have you ever studied this? And then and, and see, get some feedback. Get them talking to you. Important. Jesus asks questions. And we need to ask questions when we're studying with people. We need to be, and, and, and honestly, this is something that the Spirit will give us, the ability to do this. And the more we do it, the more experience we have, the more we'll be aware that there's a problem when you're studying with someone, to be discerning. Okay, this is tough. This, this, this doctrine is tough. And, try, and ask them, have you, have you ever studied this before? Get them to t tell you what they're thinking. And they may say, you know, I, since I was a little boy, I was taught this. Or since I was a little girl, I was taught this. Now you're telling me this? And so, say, you know, there's just, there's just it's so important to be aware and as you're studying with them and to pray for them that you can get insights into where they're at spiritually, understanding the difficulties in their life, understanding objections and ex obstacles that exist in their mind. The only way to do that is to ask and to pray that God will reveal those things to you as you're studying with that person, that they'll come out in the conversation. Because sometimes there's just things you just don't know. You know, you could be studying with someone that's been sexually abused by her father. And there's just so many issues that that person's dealing with. And, and, you know, God will bring those things to you to help that person, whatever it is. You just have to be praying that God will help you as you go through this study with the person because I'm telling you, studying the Bible is the most intimate thing that you can do with someone outside your spouse. 
the most intimate thing is to study the scriptures with someone. It just brings up everything in their life. It brings up their past, their relationship with their parents, their relationship with their spouse, their relationship with whatever. It, it brings out all their problems. It just comes out as you're studying. Yes, Jane? Just out of curiosity, is that true for men studying together? Because I know women tend to be really Yes, bad. women are more vocal about that, but I do think if men can be real in a study, if they can really feel that, that, that they're not going to be yeah. criticized and they, and they feel safe, they can be. But I think it's less likely in a situation if it's a group, but one-on-one -on -one definitely I think you can. If that person who's studying with another individual, if there are two men, then the man who's doing it is just vulnerable himself. You know, sometimes I'll share something very vulnerable with them about my childhood and get them to tell them that, you know, I'm just a real person that's had a rough life myself. And I know what it's like to feel this way. And so, you know, not that you should go on and on about yourself, but just help them to know that, 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 you know, sometimes people get the wrong idea about the person that's studying with them, that their life is perfect. That somehow they have something that they'll never attain. I remember there was a lady coming to our church with her two daughters, and I was studying the Bible with her daughters because they wanted baptism. And I shared my testimony that used to be, I used to drink a lot of alcohol. And uh, she was just shocked. Her, the, the mother, she, I didn't know she was struggling with that. I had no idea. And she said, you? you? You used to drink alcohol? I go, yeah, I did. In fact, I had a problem. I, I really was close to being an alcoholic. I couldn't stop when I had it. I had to have more. Are you telling me you used to be... And she just couldn't believe it. And I said, I said to her, I said, look, Jesus cleaned me up. I couldn't stop on my own. And it gave her hope. She says, you don't know what you've done for me tonight. You've given me hope that I can stop. So we just don't know what's going on in someone's life. And if we be real, we need to be real. Not holier than thou, and you need to be like me kind of attitude when you're studying with someone. You need to be real. We are on the same plane. And there's skills that we can learn to be an effective listener. I saw your hand up. Oh, it's just to answer your question. Uh, yeah, when I do one-on-one -on -one studies with men, uh, guards go down. Good. Guard, guard, yeah, guards go down. Hey, and that's the one thing you can say. You, say. you start off by saying there's no such thing as a stupid question. I said, whatever question you had, I probably had too. Yeah. Yeah, make them feel that, that you're on the same level. Yeah. You're all on the, we're all on the same level. You may bring up something I'd never thought about, please. Yes. Yes, please tell me, because your question might be my question. I may not even know. No, I need to know this. So we have to understand that they need to know that we are, we are learning too. We're fallen. Mm -hmm. We're fallen beings like they are. We struggle. We need Jesus too. <laughs> So there's some effective listening tools that we can learn. See each person as unique, irreplaceable, even the ones that are irritating and want to argue. They're fascinating. And fascinating. <laughs> yes, we need to find them something about them that is unique and unusual that no one else you've ever met is like them, that you like. Everyone has something likable, don't you think? Everybody has something likable about them. There might be some things you don't like, but there's always something you like. And we always have to look at the positive and find delight in the mystery of diversity and not conformity. 
I really think this is important because if Jesus wanted us all to be the same, wouldn't he have created us all the same? Boring. Wouldn't that, just think of how boring that would be. <laughs> that would be so boring. I think people are so interesting and I love to hear their stories and hear what you know God has done. I love to hear testimonies. Isn't that the my testimony Sabbaths? Aren't they the most fun? To hear what God has done for that person in their life, to, to bring them to Christ, to, to change their life and the trajectory of their life. I love to hear that. I love to hear what God has done for a person. And realize that every single person speaks their own language. We all have a unique way to, to communicate. It's your job, though, to learn their language. Their skills, actually, you can take sales um, classes to learn how to do be better at sales. And some people just have a natural knack for this, and other people, you know how there's some people just a naturally born salesperson, you know what I'm talking about? They can sell you a swampland in Florida. Like, they are so good at sales. They know how to do it. And, but, and I'm not saying we should be like that because we're not, we don't want to manipulate anyone. But I'm saying there's some people that just have that knack, that know how to, uh, to talk that person's language, to be able to, to connect with that person that you're studying with. And this is an important skill to do. And there's, there's ways in which you can do so. Like, there's one technique um, that I was taught, and my husband tells me I do this naturally, and I didn't even know I was doing it until he pointed it out. I will like pick up a way, a, a, a certain phrase someone says a lot, and I'll say it back to them. Or I will mimic, like if they're sitting like that, then I do this. I don't even know I'm doing it. I just kind of do what they're doing, and, I, and it's just a way of me showing them that I, affirming them, that I, I, you know, I'm, I just want to connect with them. And it's just a natural thing that I do, and I don't even know why. But I just, I have, maybe my, I learned it from my mother. I don't know. My mother is a very good people person. Everyone loves her. And so I probably learned it by, by seeing what she did. And my mother is a great listener. Oh, my goodness. Everybody will just come to her and just pour out their heart to her, and she'll listen. And... I've been told I'm a good listener. I like to listen to people and hear their stories and help if I can. We need to be good listeners and, not, and it not be on you, but on them. Ask friendly questions. Assume nothing. They may be upset or they're, maybe they're not. Maybe they're just busy because they keep canceling the Bible study. You know, you don't assume anything. Just be, ask questions. Ask friendly questions. They may be uninterested or they may be in a short attention span or they may be unconvinced or they may be totally convinced and overwhelmed by the fact that they think it's true. I've had that before. I remember there was a girl that was coming to an evangelistic series we were doing every night. You know, she would come and talk to me afterwards and one night she was just mad. And she came up to me and I go, oh no. And it was the night of the papacy and she was just angry as I'll get out. She came up to me and I'm like, oh no, I'm going to get it tonight. She is mad. You know, I don't, what do I say, Lord? Help me. I don't know what to say. And I was fairly young at the time. I was probably in my early 30s. And I'm just sitting there I'm like, what am I going to say to her? And I wanted her, I just liked her so much and we just hit it off. She says, she comes up to me. I've been lied to all my life. I am so mad. I have been lied to. All my life I've been believing this. I have wasted. You know how many years I have wasted? I mean, she just was angry, but not at me. 
I'm glad I didn't assume she was angry at me. <laughs> but she was upset because she saw clearly in the scriptures the truth. And it was upsetting to her that she'd been lied to all her life. And so we, just, we, we shouldn't take, assume anything. Just be, be calm. Just stay connected to Christ. Be prayerful. As we're dealing with people, you just never know what's going to happen. Do not fear to be vulnerable. We talked about that already. I think we've talked about all these things here. Um, if you are uncomfortable, if you shut yourself off, they will read that immediately. And, and they will read it as you're judging them. And that you think less of them. We have to, guys, not be shocked by anything anybody tells us. We have to just roll with it. Just got to roll with it. And not be upset. Not show it. Just love them. Jesus was touched. Jesus wept with those who wept. They must feel our sympathy. Encourage them to share more. Remember why you see on the surface is one small part of what's really below. Tell me more. These are, these are good, you know, definitely memorize these. Tell me more about that. Can you elaborate? I am not sure I understand. Can you tell me, share more about this? You want them to talk to you. How did that happen? How did you first learn this? When, what, where? Get them to tell you. Talking. Get them telling you. You need to understand them. So the more they reveal to you, the better you will get a picture into their soul. Into really what's motivating them, what they, what's upsetting them. You've got to become really good friends so you can be vulnerable with each other and, sh and, and share. Be affirming. That must have hurt. I can see why you feel that way. That must have taken a lot of courage. You handled that so well. I don't know that I could have done that. You know, just be very, very, very uh, affirming and, and, and honest with them. Don't lie. Don't do that. You know, don't say that something that's not true. But just be very, very real. You are so diligent. You care so deeply about your spirituality, don't you? You can say that to someone that you're studying with. I can see that you really do want to learn about God and Jesus. I can see that. I, I, I just love that about you. You really do care about your family, don't you? I believe with God's help, you can do it. You can do anything. You can do this. You want the best, don't you? All of these are very affirming comments to make when they're sharing stories with you. Rephrase what they've said. Check your understanding to be sure. Did you feel this way? Just make sure you understand them. Are you saying that? Am I understanding? Is this what you mean? Be very, this is effectively, these are tools you learn in marriage. <laughs> in marriage seminars, that, that we can be better in our marriages if we would use these tools with each other. To, did you really feel that way? After they tell you something, really, you really felt that way after that happened? I can, see, I, can, I, I can see why that would make you feel that way. Is this what you mean? And when they say something, am I understanding you correctly? Did you mean this? This is such good communication skills. We need to have really good communication skills when we're doing ministry. 
let them know that you don't understand. But, you know, let's just say that something happened to them as a child that's just horrifying. And there's just no way you can say, I understand, because you don't. You know, sometimes that is the worst thing you can say is, I understand. You can say, wow, I surely don't know how you got through that. I can't imagine what you felt. You know, just being, just tell them the truth. Um, always make sure what you, sh you share is an appropriate response. So, and then, how can I help? What can I do? Can we pray together about that today? You know, offer prayer. Say, you know, I don't know what you should do, but God does. Let's go to God together about that. Be available to them with healthy boundaries because let me share, sometimes we can get out of, out of balance sometimes with people we're studying with. And let me tell you a story about Octavia. I was studying with Octavia um, a while ago when I lived in Wichita, Kansas. And Octavia was a Mormon. And I, used, I grew up as a Mormon. So I had that similarity with Octavia. And Octavia wanted um, to always be a Mormon. She thought it was right. And that how, she asked me how I could leave the Mormon faith. And I, I said, why don't you come over and we'll study together. And I'll show you why I left. And that intrigued her. So she did. So she started coming over to my house on Friday nights and I would have smoothie and popcorn and we would sit around and she brought some friends and we would study together. And Octavia had a lot of issues in her life, a lot of problems. She had an ex-husband who was, who was uh, very difficult and she, he wouldn't let her see her, her son. And there's just so many problems in her life that I got so engrossed in her problems, it just got to the point where it was just overwhelming me. And it was, I was out of balance. So I say that to tell you to be in balance in your relationships with them. Don't let them control your life because that can happen. She was getting so dependent on me instead of I should have been lifting her up and having her depend on Jesus. And she was depending on me. We can't fix their problems. Not always. Sometimes we can, like one or two or something, and help them. But we, we need to lead them to be able to rely on God and on Jesus Christ rather than on you. And I saw that I, she was relying on me. And it was really getting unbalanced in our relationship. Thankfully, I'd like to say, she, she got baptized. She left the Mormon faith. She got her life together. Um, she's a very, very solid Seventh-day Adventist today, still in Kansas, where we used to live, and uh, doing good. But, wow, for a while there, her life was coming apart, and it was just consuming my life. So we have to be balanced, too, when we do this work. We can help, but we have to know when, when, when it's not good for your family. So turn to a positive focus. Be liberal with encouragement. There's a positive side to every experience. It is your job to find it in their experience, but only after you have listened and understood. Don't interject while they're telling their story. Don't interrupt them and say, oh, I know I, this happened to me, and then go into a story. This is so rude and when you're communicating just with anybody. Have you ever had someone that you're talking to and you're telling them a story and they just cut you right off and they start telling you, oh yeah, yeah, that happened to me. And then they start on their story and they don't care to hear the rest of your story. How do you feel after that happens? How do you feel? They don't care about you. They don't care. We don't want to be that way. We don't ever want to accidentally do that. And I think that this, this kind of thing happens a lot. 
So we need to be aware and educate ourselves that we need to be, we're there for them. We're there to listen to them, not for us to tell them their, our stories. Ask them what they've learned from the experience and how it changed, damaged them. Show them a big picture though. Look at the goal, the joys of living eternally. I have a friend. Lane, I've been studying with, with it for years. Lane has, has embraced the Sabbath, but she cannot believe the, that the Pope is the Antichrist. She's Catholic. So she, she just can't believe that right now. That's okay. That's all right. I don't care. She can believe that. She doesn't have to. And she says, Cindy, are you going to stop being my friend because I don't believe the way you do? And I said, no way, Lane. I love you. I'm not going to stop being your friend because you don't agree with me. <laughs> just, we're friends, right? We're friends. And she, she would push me to the limit to see if I really was. And she'd say things like, um, well, you know I'm not going to be baptized in your church. I'm like, oh, it's okay. You still want to study with me? I said, yes. You still want to be my friend? Yes, I do, Lane. I want to be your friend. She kept testing me and testing me. To the point where one day I said, Lane, what do I got to do to prove to you I just love you? What do I got to do? I was so exasperated because this kept coming up. It was just like a thing with her. She thought I was only befriending her so that she'd become a Seventh-day Adventist. I, I didn't know what to do. I finally, I think she finally now believes it. <laughs> because she has it and we're still friends. We talk once a week. We pray together once a week. I stay connected. I love her. It's okay that she doesn't agree yet. I know God is working in her life. And I, she constantly tells me about how sad her life is because she never had children. She never got married. She didn't do the things that she had goals to do. It never, she never achieved. I, I said to her one day, I said, Lane, do you believe you're going to live forever? Oh, well, yeah, I hope. I go, do you have a confidence that God loves you and is, that he's going to save you and you're going to live forever? Well... I think so. She didn't know. You know, people don't understand and have this connection with God that they need. So they have the assurance of their salvation, assurance that they're going to live forever. And I wanted her to have that. And I said, you're going to live eternally, Lane. You didn't learn to play the guitar here. So what? You're gonna, you have eternity to learn the guitar. You, you wanted to learn multiple languages. You can learn as many languages as you want when we get to live on the new earth. The new earth. I thought we were going to heaven. I go, well, we are for a thousand years, but we're going to be back down here. The earth is for our inheritance. What? So that, I, I studied this with her, but, you know, it takes sometimes, multiple times to study through a series of lessons with someone for them to really remember and to get it. And, and you shouldn't get frustrated. It's just know that sometimes it takes three times mm -hmm. to hear our message, three times to go through a set of series of studies or an evangelistic series, three times before a person really knows and understands. It's just so, think of it this way. How many of you guys like Chinese food? When you go into a Chinese restaurant in the, for lunch, 
is it not like the darkest restaurant you've ever been in? I don't know why, but they don't have windows in their restaurants. You go in there and it's super dark, right? And you adjust, your eyes adjust to the darkness and you enjoy the good food and maybe they keep it dark so you don't see all the critters running around. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> let's not think about that because I like Chinese food. So then you go outside. What happens in the middle of the day and you leave a dark restaurant and you come outside and the sun is out, what happens? Ah, man, ooh, sunglasses. It's bright out here, right? It's bright. It hurts your eyes. If you've been in darkness for years and you hear the truth, truth is light, what happens? Ow, ah, that hurts. No, that's not true. That is awful. No, 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 no. And they reject because they don't like it. It, just go, it doesn't fit in the darkness that they've been in, and so it, it hurts. It literally physically hurts. I was studying with Lane. This is another, another story about Lane. Studying with Lane, and we were studying about the papacy, and she went into the bathroom and threw up. It upset her so bad. It, she actually vomited in my bathroom. So, I have seen so many crazy things happen when I study Revelation 13 with people. I've seen, yeah. it's demonic. Yeah. The demons come out because they don't want them to know the truth. Yeah. Because if you can understand who the Antichrist system power is at the end of time, if you understand that, you won't be deceived. You really need to understand that. Yes? I had a pastor he, doing that, and the guy just blew up at him. And he said, I've never said that. You came to this of your own, of your own conclusion. It was revealed to you. He says, I have never said that. And he realized it. Now he's an Adventist. Oh, wow. So. Yep, conviction can come out as anger. Yeah. But Being extremely convicted on something can come off as anger. We're going to go over that in a minute. So we need to show them the big picture of things in their life. You can, know, you can be the, the objectionable one, the, uh, you know, be objectionate, objection, being objective, looking in their life and give them a, some hope. When things are bad, show them that in the future we're going to live in this place. It's wonderful. I have a study on the new earth. I love to give with people that are, have a terrible life. I'm like, this is what we get to look forward to and we just go through scripture. You know, I never realized, but Isaiah is just the new earth prophet. Study Isaiah is just vision after vision after vision of the new earth. It's just beautiful. And when you study that with someone, they can't wait. They have something to look forward to in this crazy world that is such full of pain and sorrow and sadness. Show how God is involved in our lives. He cares. You know, and reveal to her. Just kind of help her see. I'll say to Lane a lot of times, I'll say, Lane, did she not remember what God did before? You know, I've known her for eight years now. She finally believes I love her. I've been friends with her for eight years. I know she'll be an avid. She's just an avid and she doesn't know yet. But she will complain about something. I'll say, Lane, Lane, don't you remember when God did this? Oh, yeah. Don't you remember when God did Oh, yeah. You're right, Cindy. Trust God. Trust God. And that's when you, this is when you pour your, your life into someone else. You know them. You know them well, and you've been, you have a history. You have a history with them. 
take notes. Remember the things they have shared and ask them about them. And if, they, if you're praying about something, if you ask them what to pray for, be diligent and pray for them. And bring, ask them how things are going. Really expect God to fix their issues. Really believe that he's going to. Because if you have that kind of faith and you inspire them to believe that God can fix their problems, he will. He'll, he will help them. So these are hindrances to effective listening. Talking while they're talking, of course, you know, these are just common sense. Interrupting, taking a superior position, being uninterested, just got an agenda to get through the lesson. You know, my husband tells me, your Bible studies are too long, Cindy. They should be an hour and no more. You're in there for two hours studying with people. What take, why is, I said, because, honey, women are different than men. Women want to talk and share. If I was rude and just wanted to get the lesson done, I would turn them off. I would be like, they'd be like, she doesn't care about me. All she cares about is her agenda today. Yeah. Yes, Jane. Do you have in there obvious time limit? Do you mean behaving like there's a time limit versus there actually is a time limit? Oh yeah, if you're, if you're being impatient in a study because you keep looking at your watch going, oh I'm going to be late, just be up front. If you only have a set amount of time today with, and I'll do that with Lane because Lane can take my time up for hours and hours on the phone. So I'll say, Lane, I've got this amount of time today. That's all I've got. And then when I get closer to it, it's like a child. You know, when you take your children to the park, we have two hours today in the park. That's it. So what do you do about when the two hours are brought up? I've got, we got 15 minutes. 10 minutes. You're preparing, right? So I tell Lane that. You know, I only got 15 minutes left today. We got, you know, let's get to the praying part, Lane. You know, um, because what we do is we're just prayer partners and we share. She's studied with me and she doesn't want to study. She's studying with me, but she doesn't realize it because in our conversations, the, the scriptures come out all the time. And so I, I spend an hour with her every week still to show her I love her and to pray with her and to help her. And, um, but if she goes on and on, I, I just have to be... I just have to say, oh, I've got to go, Lane. I'm sorry, i got an appointment, or i got to do this, or whatever. That's okay. That's, that's normal. But what I'm talking about is when you're studying with someone, and you're looking at your time going, this is taking too much time. I really don't have time for this today. Yeah. Be upfront about how much time you have. And if there is a time constraint, then let them know ahead of time. Um, because you just don't want them to think that you just have an agenda here, and you really don't have time to listen to them. And and you got to go because yes. Your friend Elaine, is she? Uh, you said she's Catholic. Mm -hmm. Does she use the Catholic Bible? No, no. In fact, she. She believes in the Holy Bible. Yes. Yes, she uses like she. I think she has the New Living Translation. She's her favorite one, and she told me she's gone to Bible lesson, Bible studies at the Catholic Church, and she doesn't like them. She's a Catholic, but she's not really. The reason she's so devoted to the Catholic Church is because they helped her during a difficult time in her life, and brought her to God, and so she's so loyal to that. To them for that but she doesn't really she said she didn't like the Bible lessons because she wanted to talk about it afterwards and the the priest who was teaching the Bible study says oh no you don't get to question what I say we're not here to discuss I'm here to instruct you that's what he told her you listen I'm telling you this is the way it is you take it or leave it you don't get to discuss with me or question what I'm saying 
and she quit going. <laughs> she liked my Bible studies better. Because <laughs> we talked about it. And I listened to her, and I cared. So negative reactions, never be shocked. We talked about these. Offering solutions. Sometimes we need to lead them to God for the solutions. Because um, you don't really know maybe what's best. Maybe you just don't. I mean, I've had women tell me, I, I think I need to leave my husband. <laughs> I'm not going to tell them to leave their husband. <laughs> There's no way. But I will give them principles on how to go to God with the problem. Let God lead you. Give them principles on how to make decisions, godly decisions. Um, never, never make a decision for them. Uh, stereotyping or labeling, of course, all of these, the judging. Don't you think you were overreacting? Like, if you don't want to say anything derogatory to them about anything, you really just want to be their friend and be supportive. And, you know, when you get to a point maybe when you have a, a deeper relationship, I sometimes rebuke Lane. I do. One day she was complaining to me about something and I said, Lane, I'm, I can't believe you're doing this. You are a Christian and you love God and you know. She said, God must hate me. That's what she said. I said, Lane, I can't believe that just came out of your mouth. Honestly. Not, but I have a relationship with her. You know, if this is a new study, you can't do that. <laughs> but I have been with friends with her a long time. I said, I cannot believe you just said that. God does not hate you. You know better than that. So I had to say something, you know. But there's, but, you know, normally you don't have that type of relationship yet when you're, study, when you're starting to study with someone. So you just have to help them along. Now there's different personality types to study. Have you ever studied these? It's important. There are, other there are other tests that you can do online. Just put in personality tests on the internet and you can find all these different tests. Take the test and find out what you are. Learn about the other types. When we learn about different personality types, we will learn better. And then it also tells what different personality types get along and ones that don't. Understand these things. They're, it's all on the internet. I, I, we could just do a class on that. But uh, time doesn't allow us to do that. But learn these things because they will be helpful in your ministry. To really understand people. To understand the personality types. Not everybody, you know, you don't want to categorize people and put them in a, you know, in a box. But there are principles that you can learn and, and, and understanding of different, like I'm sanguine and choleric. I know that. I'm very outgoing and I'm also a... You know, I'm, I want things done and I, I can lead things to get done and I'm very, or, you know, I'm bossy. Just ask my family. And then my husband, he's choleric and he's melancholy. So we're both choleric. So we clash because of that sometimes. Not all the time, but we clash because we're both choleric. We both want it done a certain way. And we, so now what we've decided is that anything outside is his territory, anything inside is my territory, and if I want something done a certain way inside, he succumbs to me, and if he wants something done a certain way outside, I succumb to him. But we can share with each other what we prefer, and we can come together, but knowing your personality types is very helpful, and learning how to get along with your, anyone, honestly, anybody. Love languages, have you ever studied that book? That's very helpful because if you can learn the love language of someone you're studying with, then by all means, use that love language to show them you love them. If, they, if their love language is not gifts and you keep giving them gifts, 
it's not going to mean as much. It's not like they're going to not like it, but they're not going to, it's not going to mean as much if it's quality time is their love language and you go over there and help them in a project in their house. You just show them immense love. But they, they just, you know, so just learn. Just ask them, what's your love language? Because you know, this is kind of a common thing. And if they don't know, then maybe you should take a time of study and go through it, the test with them. Find out what your, you don't know what your love language is? Well, mine is receiving gifts and quality time. Let's see what yours is. Let's just do it. I mean, it, it's, worth, it's worth it. This is something that was talked about this morning, understanding cultural differences. Um, research what people like. Like, let, I have studied with Muslim, I've studied with a Jew, I've studied with um, this Sabbath, this coming Sabbath, I'm going to a, a, a Rwandan refugee church and I'm preaching there. I, I just got asked a few weeks ago, I've been doing research. I want to understand what the Rwandans like. I don't even know. So, you know, when, when you go on a mission to another country, if you have to take some classes to learn the culture because you can insult someone and not even know it. So if you're like studying something with someone that's a different culture than yours, you need to understand. You need to take some time and to learn about their culture so you don't eat what they eat. And, and you know, I, I absolutely love um, Mexican food. And so I was studying with a lady who's Hispanic and I'm like, she's like, can I cook for you? I'm like, oh my goodness, yes, cook for me. And I, I just loved her authentic Mexican food. It was so delicious. So learn their cult and embrace their culture. That will just draw them closer to your heart. And you know, and there's, reaching the heart is how you will win them for Christ. It really will. This is so, so, so true. And types of questions to ask to form friendships. Ask them if you're meeting someone for the first time. This is a good uh, uh, acronym, FORT, to remember in your mind. FORT, family, occupation, religion, and then testimony. Give your testimony. So ask them, women, if it's women, they love to talk about their families. If you meet a new woman and you're just chatting away, ask them if they have children, ask them about their family. That, that, they love, love, love that. So man, ask them what they do. What's your occupation? What do you do? They love, men like to talk about their occupation. And remember, Eve, when she was created, her first, um, her first assignment was Adam, a relationship. Adam, when he was created, his first job was to name the animals. He had an occupation. So God created men and women differently. Women love, they're more relational. Not that men can't be, but they're just more so relational than men. And men, they really are, their whole identity can be tied up in what they do. So, you know, when you, when you look, talk to people, just, you know, get them talking about themselves so you can learn about them. Then if the, if the, the, the conversation turns to religious talk, awesome. Somehow just pray that God can just bring this around to religion. And then, ask permission to give a one-minute testimony. You need to write down a one-minute testimony, a testimony not about being Adventist, a testimony about what your life was before Christ and what your life, how you met him and what happened and now how it is after Christ. One minute, short and sweet, and leave them with questions, wanting to know more. Just salt the oats by, you say, you lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink, but you can salt the oats. You ever heard that saying? Um, 
this is such an important concept because you want to, sh you don't want to go on and on, drone and drone, on and on and on, and then they're just like glazing over and you just share too much. You want to share little and let them ask for more, inf more questions so that they'll want to know more about what Jesus has done for you. If they ask no more questions, psh, fine, just leave it. Leave it like that. And ask permission if you can share your testimony. Don't just assume they want to hear it. Say, can I share a testimony with you about what my life was like before Christ? You know, if they're sharing something, just let, ask permission. Because if you ask them to, if it's okay, and they said yes, and they can't be upset, upset with you for sharing. And make it short, though, and very sweet. And to the point, then leave them wanting to know more. Um, yes, if you want them to know, if they're a different religion, do your research. Do your research. My, my daughter has a friend that's Jain. Have you ever heard of the religion Jain? It's in India. You've heard of it? And uh, they are vegan. They don't believe in anything dying, not in insects. Um, they are very moral people. Um, they they believe in um, probably the last six commandments. Very family oriented. They have, they're not Hindu. They're different than Hindu. They don't believe in a personal God. They're more kind of like Buddhist but different. Um, they, they're in India mainly um, and but they, they have temples that look like Hindu temples so you think they're Hindu but they're not. They're, they're called Jain, and it's J-A-I-N-E. So I, I did some research to find out about Jane because I wanted to be intelligent so I could talk to her about God and everything and, and know what she believed. And she did her research on me. And uh, <laughs> it was interesting. She was, she's, she was a smart cookie. But um, it was interesting to talk to her. And she, but we had, what we had in commonality, it's important to know what you have in commonality with someone, she was vegan and I was too, and she, she liked, and I did vegan cooking classes, and she was, and we always shared recipes, and I got her cookbooks for her birthday, and you know we just shared that together. So find what you can you can connect with people, find out, and that's why it's good to do some um, research on what they believe. Also, here's some questions: What think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? This was a question he asked his disciples, remember? When they were gathered, Jesus was, a, was the ultimate, uh, our ultimate example, but he, he always asked questions. The, the question was designed to test their belief concerning the Messiah, to show whether they regarded him simply as a man or as the Son of God. So he wanted them to think. When you ask them, to, ask them questions, they have to think. Ask them what the gospel is. You will be shocked the answers you get. Do you, what, what, in, your, in your estimation, tell me what you think the gospel means. Because that's a terminology we all use, gospel. What is the gospel to you? You know, they can't even... Be a better person. Do more good than bad. You, you, will, hear, you will hear just all kinds of things. Then you know where to start when you're studying that person. When I sit down and i got a new study with someone I'm studying with, first thing I do is I ask them, you know, just some questions. And to see where they're at spiritually, how much of the Bible do they know? Because if you're going to start somewhere, you, want to, you don't want to overwhelm them. If they don't even understand the gospel, that's where you start. You start with the gospel. Yes? Yes. 
Bruce Bibles today, I gave um, the series that I was using, it was establishing the authority of the word, and I didn't investigate who the person was. They already believed in the authority of the scripture. So they were bored? They were there. So they were bored to death with that, or? It just wasn't this, aha, this is meaningful, this is enriching. Yeah. yeah. This is just, I already know this stuff, this is a waste of my time kind of thing. Oh, no, they didn't reveal that till the end. Oh. Really, oh. I don't know. Kind of silly. Yeah, that, so that's good. That first time you sit down to study, just to, to get to know each other, I try to take a day that before we even open to find out what study to do. Because one study is not going to fit every person. My, my uh, husband and I are studying... I, I studied with Bonnie 20 years ago and then now she's engaged to this guy who wants to study and he was raised on the Indian reservation in Kansas knows nothing nothing in the Bible absolutely nothing I think of, he heard about Noah and the ark that's it you guys we couldn't do prophecy right over his head we had to start with the basics, the very basics. There's a, there's a series that you can, you can buy it at the ABC called Lifting Up Jesus, but you can also go to liftingupjesus.net and download the lessons and just print them. They're colorful and beautiful if you buy the set in the ABC, but if you just want to print some lessons and do, do those, there's I think 10 of them, and they're good. And they just build a relationship with Jesus. Sometimes that's what they need first before you can move on to anything more heavy. Another thing that I think is a very good place to do with someone who's new historicals. There are stories in the Bible that you read together and then you, you go and search and it's, it's all built around the story, the truth. And stories are how Jesus taught. He was engages with a story. So we're doing the historicals with, um, we did Lifting Up Jesus and now we're doing the historicals and he wants to be baptized. Really? And my husband's going to marry them next weekend. <laughs> so, yes. Oh, historicals are also good for people who are King James Version only. Okay. Because they use the King James. Okay, that's good to know. Studying with someone and using Amazing Facts for Jesus, New King James, and this lady was having a fit with it. And I wasn't... I wasn't going to argue with her about what Bible to use. So we just switched historicals and she loved them. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. I'm glad that worked out. Because yeah. sometimes I can just turn them off to you. Because yeah. I've met those King James Version only people. I have met them at the door. I, I'll say, do you believe, you know, I would do surveys. We'll talk about surveys. Um, but you go to the door and do a survey and they say, I say, do you believe in the Word of God? And what version? Yeah. Then you know. Then you know, okay, yeah. they're King James Version only people. Okay, they, you know, you can deal with that. You yes. can deal with that. Yeah. Jesus answered questions with questions to get the person to think and to answer their own question. When the lawyer asked Jesus, what shall I do to, to inherit eternal life? Jesus answered, what is written in the law? Got him to think. And how readest thou? And he answers that thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and the neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do and thou shalt live. So be good about studying um, what the questions that Jesus asks. Uh, to check accuracy of your perception regarding someone, assume nothing, we talked about that. To help others think about themselves, enabling them to discover truth through their own thoughts. Encouraging independence of thought and action by asking questions and to help them to make a decision. 
Questions are powerful, you guys. So here's some types of questions. Do you think the Bible is inspired by God? Just like what you had just asked. What do you think the mark of the beast is? Just get him to talk. Have you ever wondered what the prophecies tell us? What do you think happens after death? These are good questions just to engage people. And then when you're talking to them, don't answer them. Say, I would love to study the Bible with you on that subject. Would you like to study? And this, a lot of times they'll say yes. Would you, uh, here's the types of questions to ask. When the conversation you're having with someone turns to God in the Bible, would you like to pray and study the Bible together? How hard is that? Would you like to once a week get together and pray and study the Bible together? Yeah, I would, actually. You know, maybe they never thought of that, but yeah, maybe I would like to do that. If they say no, they don't know. You gotta ask. If you, they said yes, and you didn't ask, and they, you just, you gotta ask. They've been fishing, waiting. Yes, question. exactly, you gotta ask. Then, right then and there, make an appointment or it won't happen. What day of the week is good for you? Immediately, just, you know, very casual, Get your phone out with your calendar. Let me look. Let's see. What, what does your week look like? When is it good for you? When can we get connect? Even if it's just on the phone. I do Zoom studies with people all the time because people are busy. They don't have time to, you know, I, you know, before the pandemic, I went to everybody's house. And I, I'm telling you it was the worst thing for my health because I was mostly in the car, riding from one assignment to another, eating in my car as I was going, getting home at 9 o'clock, not having dinner, eating late at night, because I'm starving by the time I get home. This was not good for my health, and I wasn't exercising like I should. And I'm, I'm like, this isn't good, God. I've got to get control of my schedule, my life. And the pandemic happened shortly after I was feeling this way. And uh, I'm like, now what do I do? I thought I wasn't going to be able to do Bible work. I had to think outside the box. And I started doing my Bible studies on Zoom. And you know what often would cancel our study? Sick kids. I, or, you know, tight schedule. I only have an hour. Or you can, Zoom has helped my ministry so much to grow. I do so many studies on Zoom and I'm more effective because I don't have to be in my car half the day. I'm doing it all online and the people like it too because they don't have to go somewhere and they can do it in the comfort of their home. Mm -hmm. And so I do a lot of Zoom studies um, with people. And so, but I like the personal touch. We get together. We do get together because there's nothing better than being together. But I'm just saying use the Zoom. If the child is sick and, they, and you don't want to go over there and get exposed, say, so can we do a Zoom study this week? You know, there's always these options to do these things. We've got to think outside the box. But make an appointment right then and there or it won't happen. Just be very proactive. Get the person you are talking to, switch gears to the spiritual by being prayerful as you're talking to them, actively listening, discerning where they're at, genuinely interested, and don't be afraid to ask them to study. Because God gave you a divine appointment. Do you believe in divine appointments? Yes. When you meet someone that you never had, had ever thought you'd have a spiritual conversation with, and, and you know that that's, this is a divine appointment, don't let it go without asking them. Would you like for, you know, just 
you know, just let it be organic. Just don't come right out in the middle of being like random and ask them to study the Bible. But as the conversation flows and it's a spiritual one, say, I would love to study that with you in the Bible. Would you like to study the Bible with me sometime? And get, just don't be afraid to ask. All they can say is no. I mean, what's, what's, that's, that's okay. Have you heard of the clear and set principle? The human mind is so constructed that if even one minor point cannot be reconciled with existing ideas, confidence is destroyed in the carrier of the information. This is what I'm talking about light, hurts. When they get something that conflicts with that they've always been taught, it, 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 they can't re reconcile it, they all of a sudden lose confidence in you. The clear and set principle teaches that only new truths are clarified and confirmed in the minds of the listeners. Can, figure truths be can future truths be received and accepted? In other words, don't go on if they don't understand. Don't go on to another doctrine before they understand what they have learned so far. Otherwise, what happens is that they, they get very overwhelmed they have to be able to reconcile what they have learned. The presenter must ascertain at every new step whether the hearers accept or reject the message and how they have decided to integrate these new concepts into their present value structure. If this is not done, resistance will continue to build to the point of rejection. Trust is progressive. So as you're going through the study with someone and you can see that they have not accepted the Sabbath, do not bring in the state of the dead. You might let it lie a, a week or two, but go to a study. You don't have to do the, like, you know, if you're doing a set of lessons and seven is the Sabbath and eight is the state of the dead, oh, I got to do eight? No, you don't. You don't have to do eight. Do something else. Make sure, because you, you don't want to add more information on top of information that is overwhelming them. And you want to make sure they get it before you move on. Testing truths are painful. And this is what happens. They will continue to build to the point of rejection of you. And they don't want to study with you anymore. So be, we have to be making sure that we understand where they're at with, by asking questions, actually. The book of... Yeah, yes. I'm sure I understand that because when I was... Remember when I was watching Mark Finley and all that, it's like I wanted to know everything I could. Well, you, were, you weren't struggling with it, though. It's just people that are struggling with it. You accepted it immediately. You know, you were just open and ready. I wanted to know as much as I could. Right, and you were ready for it. Some people, this is just like overwhelming them. First of all, they're counting the cost. If, let's just say they're Baptist. Let's just assume that person you're studying with is Baptist and you show them the Sabbath. And they see clearly in the Word of God that Sabbath is right. But then they're thinking, if I accept this, I'm going to have to leave my church. I'm going to have to leave my friends. My family are going to think I've lost my mind. They're counting the cost as they go through this lesson with you. How do I know that this person is really teaching the truth? I don't know. I know this is really right. Is my pastor really lying to me? It, have I been lied to all my life? No. These are godly people that I love. They're not lying to me. Do you see what I'm saying? This is what's going on inside. 
when you're, when you're bringing a testing truth, that they're called testing truths because it brings them to a test. To obey the word of God or to go and obey man and to please man and please themselves. So you don't want to go on if you see they're struggling with it. Don't go on to the next thing that's going to make them upset. Go to, try to find some lesson that they're going to agree with. Yes? Yeah, they also might be struggling about their grandparents who passed away wondering if they're lost since they yeah. didn't learn that. And then you have to be ready. Hey, you know what? They didn't know this, so they can't be held accountable to this. Yeah. So there's certain things you need, you need to give ways out every now and then. You need to that ask them sense. questions. Yeah. Right. You, you put them at ease. Got to continually, you can see that this is upsetting them, and you need to get them to talk to you about it. Some, you know, one thing Steve and I are very firm believers, my husband and I, about is and if you want my, my lessons that we do, from, we go through chapter by chapter through Daniel and Revelation. It's called Keys of the Kingdom. It's a very progressive study. Step, minuscule steps. And, and it's so exciting is because um, Steve and Pastor Don that we used to work with discovered this um, Progression. Pastor Don is, was phenomenal. He, he was really in the mastermind behind the whole series. And Steve just helped put it all together for him. My husband is so logical. He's just so logical. Don's a visionary. Steve's the logical one. And it, it, what they discover is chapter 1 of Daniel is Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. He purposed in his heart that, that he would honor God. So the first lesson in Daniel is not on the health message. It's giving your heart to God. Purposing to live for God. So that's the whole chapter, the first one. So that's building a relationship with God and asking them to follow God. Two is, um, it's all about, remember how you know, Nebuchadnezzar had this dream? And, and they, Daniel had to call a prayer meeting because they were all going to be killed. So they came to God in prayer. So the second step in your relationship is to give your heart in God, but then pray. Stay connected to Him every day. The third one was the prophecy. We went through the prophecy. It says, trust the Word of God, because God knows the end from the beginning. You can trust Him with your life. So each lesson in this series is a baby step in their walk with Christ. And it was just beautiful as you go through every, every chapter in Daniel. There's only one testing truth in the whole book of Daniel that we do with people, and that's the papacy. We don't reveal the Sabbath yet. We wait till Revelation. Then chapter 12 of Daniel is connected to Revelation 10. You study those two together, and it's just a natural right into Revelation. And then you go, then you get them, you know, continuing on in Revelation, and then the testing truths come in. But by then, you guys, you have been studying with this person for three months. And you have developed a relationship with them, and they love you, and you love them, and they have confidence in you because they know you know the Scriptures, and you are helping them understand Daniel they never understood before. They've always saw it as very, you know, just... Yes, it's Greek to them. So this is important as we go through that they, they build confidence in you and to reveal truth slowly. Um, don't be in such a hurry to share the Sabbath. There were some, some Adventists in a church, I will not name, that 
I was gonna I was training people to go door to door and what to do and they they didn't believe that you know I shared that we should not reveal that we're Seventh-day Adventists I even gave them a spirit of prophecy quote that we should not do that the day we're at the door it builds a formidable barrier that we we could never ever reach them if it wasn't if we do that now we're not gonna lie if they ask us we tell them but we aren't gonna offer the information and so you go to the door and then and, and they thought that we should immediately just hit them over the head with a Sabbath no, she that is not the way to do ministry, guys. We have to build a relationship and build conf. They have to have confidence in you. Now, has it ever happened that someone has first thing they learned about the, us is the Sabbath and they embraced it? Has it happened? Yes, but that's rare. Mm -hmm. That is not the norm. So we must point by point slowly build this foundation of Jesus Christ, and then truth comes into it. You know, truth will. It just comes. And I remember I was studying with a lady and she didn't want to study Daniel and Revelation. I told her to pick a book. Just pick any book in the Bible. We'll study it together. We'll just read it together and we'll discuss it. She picked 1 Corinthians. Do you know our doctrines are all over 1 Corinthians? I mean, every almost single one. Death, hell, the, everything. It's, I was so amazed. I'd never done that before. Where I just sat down and we just read the book together and she'd ask me questions. She'd say, well, what does that mean? And it'd be like a doctrine. It's one of our doctrines. It's just right, it's everywhere, you guys. It's in every book of the Bible. I, I believe there will be people that will want to know more and understand um, because the world is in such chaos yes. that they're seeking that, you know, whenever you have, you're comfortable and everything is good, you don't need you don't need God, yes. right? You don't need God. Yes. But we know at the end what's going to happen. Right, chaos. Chaos. Yes. And are we getting there? Yes. 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 So people are going to be more open to want to know, and we have the answers, guys. We understand the prophecies, and we can teach what we know is going to happen. Yeah. And we can assure them that they're going to be okay, and they're going to make it through, and that Jesus is coming. So. Uh, the book of Proverbs states this in a perfect way, but the path of the just is a shining light that shines more and more unto the perfect day. So like th the restaurant illustration, you know, you have to adjust your eyes to the light. It just takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. This principle is eternal. God allows light to shine more and more brightly along the pathway of individuals as truth is received and accepted. If, if you're walking along and you're following Jesus, he's the light, right? We're following him. We're, we're following Christ, he's the light. And then he presents the Sabbath to us. And we're like looking at it and Jesus keeps going. And we're looking at the Sabbath going, oh no. I don't know if I can keep following Jesus. And he waits for us to decide. We have to make a decision. If we then, if we don't, we're, we're, what happens? Jesus keeps going. What happens to us if we, sta we stagnate? We're in darkness for a while. Have we all not done that? Have we all been to a point where Jesus showed us something and we weren't re ready to obey? Did he give up on us? No. 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 And should we give up on them? No. no. I've not given up on Lane. I love my, I love my Lane. So, any truths which appear hazy or inconsistent provide obstacles for further progress, but clearly understood truths become stepping stones. Mm -hmm. Or some people like to do the ladder, Jacob's ladder. It's, a la it's a, another rung up the ladder, closer and closer to God. Just understanding truth is a stepping, is stepping stones closer or up to God, however you want to put it, to understand God's word. 
If you do not know what hinders individuals from following Jesus in any given command, you may visit them ten times and get nowhere. This is from Mark Finley's book, Persuasion. Your efforts to win them are like beating the air. Unless you deal with the objections they face on that subject, you will be powerless in bringing them to a decision. Future subjects will be more cloudy and difficult, and additional ideas that bombard their minds and conflict with what they previously believed will ultimately lead to total rejection. The better the worker is able to discover what hinders individuals from deciding it to follow truth and to clear them on what was already presented, the more successful a soul winner he or she will be. So the more, when you see that there's a problem, take time with that individual. Find out why. It might be a job problem. It's not that they don't want to follow the Sabbath, but it might be they're going to lose their job. They're afraid. How are they going to take care of their family and follow God? There's just, you just don't know what it is until you find out. You just don't know what's going on in their minds. So, was this new to you? These are such good questions. Was this a new teaching for you today? Have you ever studied this before? Is it clear to you? Is it clear to you that the seventh day of the week is the Sabbath? Is that clear to you? Well, maybe, no, I, I'm still not, I'm still not sure about that. Okay. That's fair. All right, we can study some more. Do you have any questions about it? I mean, what are your questions about it? Tell me what you're thinking. Is it clear to you from the Bible that Jesus kept the Sabbath? Is that clear to you? Yes. Is it clear to you that the disciples kept the Sabbath? Yes. You see, I'm seeing, you see how you're, you're... But if you were just to study the Sabbath and not do this, and then just keep going on, and they have a problem, they will reject you and they won't want to study with you anymore. It happens all the time. Do you know that, that scripture that says that, uh, and I forget who does what, but someone plants a seed, the other one waters it, and God brings increase. That shows us that our first time we plant seeds isn't the last time. God will bring somebody else. He does not give up on the person you're studying with. You just may not bring them to the point. Your, your job is to bring that. Mark Finley has this chart that, one, they know nothing about God, have no interest in God. Ten, they are committed Christians. Where is your person? And there's different points along the way on this graph. I have it in one of my classes, and I don't think we're doing that tomorrow. Um, so what... Where is that person? You've got to understand where that person is. And then your, your job is not to take them from 3 to 10. Not, maybe it's not. Maybe that's not your job to do. Maybe it's your job to bring them from 3 to 5. And then later God sends somebody that brings them from 5 to 7. And then they have go to an evangelistic series and that brings them to 10. Yes. So... I've met people through the years that say, you know, I went to an evangelistic series like this seven years ago. You know, and I just didn't follow it. But I always thought it was good. But I didn't really, I wasn't ready. And then they got another opportunity. And they came in, and then they were baptized. So I've met so many people through, through the years that I've been doing this that I know that God will bring another opportunity to them. Yes. Don't think you're it. Yes, and if it's time for them, if that's all they can receive, they have to stop. Jesus keeps going. They have to stop. Jesus doesn't, doesn't abandon them. But they are kind of in darkness because they've chosen not to follow. So they kind of are at that point, and you've got to let God take care of it from there. Pray for them, though. 
because God will keep sending angels and, and situations that will help them later in life. And I actually, I was studying with um, Catherine. Catherine was Catholic. And I studied with her the papacy and she was so angry with me. Whew, man, she told me off. She didn't tell me off to my face. She left, she listened, very polite, kind, left my house, went home. The next day I got a phone call. Oh my goodness. She had all night to brew in bed. She just couldn't yeah. accept this, and she just let me have it. I said, Catherine, she said, you told me that when we studied that this was just for any denomination. That's clearly not for Catholics. <laughs> oh, I said, Catherine, it's not me that's telling you this. It's God. Catherine, please, I, wouldn't, I don't mean to upset you. I love you. I, and I did. I had built this relationship with her. We've been studying together for 10 weeks. And I said, Catherine, God just wants you to know. It's right there. I'm not saying it. The Word of God is saying it. Well, that's your interpretation of the Word of God. And blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. It is. And it's what I believe. I said, I sincerely believe it or I wouldn't teach it. And I said, I'm so sorry that it's been hard for you. And uh, she said, well, I don't want to study with you anymore. And I said, okay, that's all right. About six months later... It was interesting because it was 2015, and that was when the papacy came over here, the Pope came over here to address the, the government, and was so, it was all about, you know, global warming, and it was all about, and it was nothing in her opinion that should be, that the Pope should be doing. In her opinion, the Pope is too political, he's doing all these things, and is it right? She called me up and she says, Cindy, I got an apology to make to you. She goes, I was so rude to you, I'm so sorry. She said, um, you're right. The Pope is the Antichrist. Wow. She says, God has revealed that to me. She just don't know. She says, can we study again? So we did. But she was the one that didn't want to study Daniel. She wanted to study another book. That's when we did 1 Corinthians. She chose it. We did 1 Corinthians. And then we, she wanted to do another study. And I don't know what happened. It was during COVID. She, just, she, she went through um, a series that Pastor Bradshaw did on during COVID. It was called Hope Awakens. She went through all of it. Continued studying with me a little bit after that. And then just stopped again. And won't talk to me. I assume I'll hear from her again sometime. I just keep praying for Catherine. I love her. But God, you know, when, we, when they stop right there, God doesn't abandon them. They may be in darkness still because they chose that, but God does not leave us and any of us in darkness. So just know he will. But these are such good. You've got to get them talking to you. You've got to find out why they're, they're struggling. Yeah. That's a good list. Mm -hmm. It is. So, is it, and then always, I always end my Bible studies with a commitment. Always ask them to make a commitment to God. And this is what I do. I'll say, um, you know, if it's a group study, I'll say, okay, everybody, I want all of us to say this out loud to God. This is a commitment between you and God and only you and God. So you say, you tell God your commitment. This isn't a commitment to me. I make sure they realize that they're not committing to me. Is there anything... Okay, well, this particular one is, is different, but like I'll say, um, in the first study of Daniel, do, do you desire today to give your heart to God? Is that your desire? And I let them answer. If it's just me and one-on-one, I say, I do. Do you? 
Is it our desire? And I say our, not your desire. Because if you, you want them to feel like you're making the commitment too. So you want to add yourself to that commitment. Whatever the commitment you're making at the end of the lesson, you want to make sure that you're doing it with them. This is not... You're, you've got to do it and I don't. This is, we got to always commit our heart to God every single day. So I commit to God. Do you commit to God? I commit to God. Oh yeah, I commit to God. Um, and then I always want them to pray. If they don't mind to pray. Some people want to pray in public. I said, do you mind praying? You will just be amazed at the beautiful prayers that people will pray at the end of the lesson. If you ask them to pray, they will commit to God. They will thank God for sending you to their house. They will, they will tell God, I'm struggling, God, but I want to follow. They will say things in prayer that you don't even know. <laughs> so ask them to pray if they don't mind praying. So, and if they are struggling with the Sabbath, is there anything preventing you from following Jesus by keeping the Sabbath? Is there anything in that, that would prevent you from being able to? You ask them that question, well, yeah, my job. Or my husband. Oh, man. You know, there's just a myriad of different answers that you could get. What, if those things were removed and cleared up, would you want to? So just give them a scenario question in case what if we could remove all those problems your job your husband would it be okay with it whatever the problem is so let's just say that's not we can we could solve that problem would you want to then if they still make another uh, excuse they're not really committed but if they said yes so let's pray together about that Let's ask God to remove those obstacles for you. And watch God do miracles. I, I was studying with Bonnie, and she, had a, she, she worked retail. She's like, Cindy, Saturday is the biggest retail. I can't get Saturday off. Do you, do you really think? I said, Bonnie, you have every right by the law to get Sabbath off. I can get you a letter from the pastor. He bring it to your boss to see what happens. She said, all right, reluctantly she took it. But I cleared her and I said, if you could get it off, would you want to? Oh, yeah. If I could get it off, I'd want to. I said, okay. So I got her the letter. She took it to her boss and her boss just kind of laughed at her and said, Bonnie, come on. I can't really give you Saturday off. Everybody wants Saturday off. I can't really give you Saturday off just because of your religious beliefs. Sorry. She, she called me all down and depressed. See, I told you, Cindy. And I'm like, let's pray, Bonnie. Let's just pray. God can do miracles. She called me a week later. Cindy, you're never going to believe this. I said, what happened? She's like, well, my boss sent it up to corporate. And they sent her, oh, no, 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 no. You give her Saturday off. <laughs> you have to. You have to give it to her. She says, Cindy, you're right. God gave me Saturday off. And it just was a miracle. Was her job still the same? Yeah. Oh, everyone at work was like jealous. And she was like, hey, you guys can do it too. Do you want to come to church with me? Do you want to keep Sabbath with me? And they're like, no. And she's like, well. <laughs> but, you know, she didn't have any problems with her boss or anybody. I mean, some of the personnel were a little jealous because she had every Sabbath, every Saturday off. But... She worked there for many, many years after that. So um, God can do miracles. So this is so effective. If you could get rid of that problem, would you want to? And then it, it will, it, it, 
clear, it, it really makes a difference. It helps you see where they're at. Because if they make another excuse, then say, if you could remove that problem, would you? And they make another excuse, <laughs> they have no intention. Yeah. They have no intention. And that's okay too, keep studying. Don't stop the study because of that, guys. Don't stop the study, keep studying. You never know what can happen later. You get to the mark of the beast and they realize that it's all connected to the Sabbath. They may just decide right then and there. They've got to follow God. So don't just stop the study because they don't want to. Keep it. But make sure they understand and, and uh, say, well, we'll just have to agree to disagree on that. I said, I believe it is important, but you don't. Okay, well, just, let's just continue. Do you want to keep studying? You know, just let it... And yeah, I do. I'm enjoying them. Okay, let's keep studying. So, seal the decision. That's where um, the decision in prayer, that's when I ask them to pray. Encourage them. Believe that God will work out the difficulties in their life. Making decisions is like climbing a ladder. Each step is a small decision that will lead to a bigger decision at a higher level. So that's, you can't go from rung one to this hop. You just can't make it that kind of a jump. And we shouldn't expect people to make that kind of a jump either in their life. They need to be in the habit. If every lesson you do, you're making a commitment to God in one step, it's just natural when it comes to the Sabbath. When you ask them a commitment question, let's say you do, no, you do eight lessons with someone, you've been studying with them for two months, and you get to the Sabbath, and you ask them to keep it. But you haven't been asking them to make any other small decisions along the way. They're going to think, you're just, you, just want, you just want a baptism in your church. You're just, trying to, you're just trying to get me to be a Sabbath. You know what I'm saying? But every week, if you are asking them to follow God, incrementally small steps and as, as the ladder goes up, up, it's just natural then to ask them to keep the Sabbath. It's just a natural progression. Each, prep, each step is preparation for the next step. It's, it is just, it's foundational. It is not wise to skip steps or to take them too quickly. Very adamant about going slow with truth. If someone refuses to take a particular step, it's not generally possible to continue to climb the ladder. Sometimes you can. Just skip that Sabbath and wait till you get to the Mark of the Beast in four or five weeks. You never know. They might turn, turn, change their mind. Each step must be solid. If one step is shaky, the person might fall to the bottom of the stairs and the steps must be taken again. Here's our lab assignment. Do you like, do you like doing a little lab assignment? Read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and find every question Jesus asked. Just write them down. Every question that Jesus asked. Think of the situation where you could use that same question or a similar phrase in your own words and learning to imitate Christ's example and how powerful questions are. Just go through every, just go through, just find those questions that Jesus asked people and study the situation he was in and then pray and God will just God will be able to help you as you're studying with people how to do the very same thing so father thank you for this time together today thank you for helping us as we study Jesus's life and what he did the master soul winner thank you Lord for helping us as we do this work give us give us divine appointments and help us as we study with others that we can be a master at what you have called us to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
At the Propel Conference, we put a lot of emphasis on the practice of reflection. This, this is a lot of information to take in, and you can't do everything that you learn all at once. So, stop for a moment and think about your own ministry environment. What was one big idea that jumped out at you? How can you apply what you just heard at your own church? What are you inspired to do? And when this episode finishes in another minute or so, I encourage you to pause for five or 10 minutes and just let your mind wander. That kind of reflection time is so powerful. Okay, that's it for this episode. Special thanks to Cindy Kaiser for speaking at this year's conference. We're going to hear part three of her class in the next episode. This has been the Propel Podcast, inspiration and training to grow your church. The Propel Podcast is sponsored by the North Pacific Union Conference of Seventh-day Adventists and is produced by the crew at Sermon View Evangelism Marketing. I'm Larry Witzel, wishing you God's richest blessing in your evangelistic journey. Please join us again next time for another episode of The Propel Podcast. Mm-hmm.